Magnum Force is the second entry in the Dirty Harry franchise, and sets our grizzled detective against a rogue cop, dishing out their own form of vigilante justice. Today we'll discuss how well the sequel stacks up against the iconic original film. Welcome everyone to The Collector's Cut, I am Peter, and joining me as always is David. Man has got to know his limitations. He said that a lot in this movie. That is, that is very true. I feel like every movie is going to have a catchphrase. I think I honestly think that's going to happen. That may happen. That may happen. Uh, so yes, of course, this is Collector's Cut. We work our way through franchises or themes of movies. Uh, we are working through the Dirty Harry franchise. It's our first franchise, in fact. This is only episode two of the whole thing. Uh, so this is Magnum Force, or sometimes it's referred to Dirty Harry Magnum Force, just, you know, because they made this weird choice with this franchise to never actually... This is the opposite of today, where they'd always have the mm. the franchise name with the colon and then the title. This is just Magnum Force, technically, so... Yeah. Um, which, to be fair, like, every time I... I, like, I double-checked that I was watching the right thing, like, three times, just to mm-hmm. make sure I was watching I mean- the right movie. In fairness, advertising-wise, it seems like all the posters and trailers and whatnot say Clint Eastwood is yeah. Dirty Harry in whatever movie. Oh, it'd be easy when it's coming out. It's just a little more difficult years later because it's like, oh, okay, yeah. which one was second? Which one was third? Because uh, I, no I very way. nearly watched The Enforcer at one point. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> uh, which is the third movie in the franchise. Uh, so, yeah, this is a podcast. This is a discussion show. Uh, we're going to discuss the film. We'll start spoiler-free, as we will always do. Um, it's worth mentioning, though, since this is a sequel... Uh, the the first movie we do kind of have to just say is fair game from the start because there's going to be some sort of overall observations that are affected by the fact that this is a sequel, and so we do expect that there will be some spoilers for the first movie even in the spoiler free section. So bear that in mind. Scorpio is Dirty Harry's dad. <laughs> that wasn't in the first movie. <laughs> Harry, but now we've managed to weed him out. Who it is? Harry, I am your father. <laughs> That's like I'm mixing up Star Wars and Harry Potter when I say I was going to say, I was waiting for your wizard, Harry. Uh, you're a dirty cop, Harry. <laughs> R.I.P. Robbie Coltrane, who passed away just this past oh, yes, absolutely. couple of weeks, actually, <laughs> who said that the famous... I don't like Harry yeah. Potter, but I like Robbie Coltrane. So, oh, yeah, he was great. Yes, so Mind of Force, second out in his Dirty Harry, and obviously the first movie was a hit, that's why they made this, uh, directed by Ted Post, who isn't a particularly well-known director i did look him up briefly and he directed the second planet of the apes so he seems to be one of these workman directors okay. who comes in and does like a sequel for a studio but doesn't have yeah. a lot of notable stuff necessarily on his own so that is that yeah. um otherwise i, mean, I did, I did oh. look up on imdb trivia which obviously notably false most of the time but it there was one that said that basically it seemed like clint eastwood in the second unit director who i didn't get the name of did most of the actual directing. Oh, really? Okay. So, uh, Well, it also listed this director for Hang Him High, which is an Eastwood movie, so I wonder mm. if Eastwood just got him the job. Is it like, hey, yeah. get this guy, because yeah. I can push him over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or something, I don't know. I could just threaten him behind the scenes, whatever. Yeah. Maybe, it was, maybe it was a friendly thing. Maybe he was happy oh, yeah, to be pushed no. over. Yeah, he's like, hey, I'll See, take- I just can't, I can't picture Clint Eastwood not being threatening. Yeah. That's the issue. He, maybe, maybe Ted's like, I'll take the payday... And I'll just sit around on set eating donuts. I'll let Clint do all the work. <laughs> I'll take the Sounds credit. Sounds like a good gig. Yeah. Uh, so, what, what, you know, 
I think the first thing to get out of the way with, with this sequel existing is the yeah. end of the first movie. Because the end of the first movie, we commented <sighs> on how all of its themes and all of its ideas about Harry being this out-of-place cop, the world's changing around him, and this is maybe the last like useful case he'll be on because this is a very old-school good versus evil case. But he fundamentally mm. makes a choice at the very end of the movie to throw his police badge away. He makes the choice to walk away from the life that he's in because he realizes he doesn't belong there anymore. And what's so weird about this is that this movie has this thing where he's on like a stakeout duty and he's not in homicide. Mm. And there's a point in the movie where eventually the lieutenant's like, we have to bring in Harry. We need him. It's like Demolition Man. We need an old school cop <laughs> to catch this old school bad guy. So see if at the start of the movie he was like, not a cop and he was just like fishing somewhere and then he gets pulled back in because the case is so extreme it would still mm. ruin the overall ending don't get me wrong with the first movie it would still ruin it by bringing oh, him yeah. back but it would be less egregious than what's in the movie which is he's just a cop still <laughs> with no explanation yeah. so there was a brief period the opening of this movie opens up on uh some guy tried for murder or something like that, and he gets off. For whatever reason, he gets free. Yeah, he's coming out of the court, um, and there's, like, press, and he's pushing the press out of the way, and yeah, all the rest and of it. He's like, oh, yeah, the courts have found the right decision, blah, blah, blah. But it's pretty obvious from the way that things are being framed here that, like, he did do it. Oh, he's guilty. He's absolutely guilty. Like, he absolutely is guilty. But there's a part where we see, uh, you know, a traffic cop sort of get up. And we don't see who's putting it on, but we see the TV giving this yeah. report being turned off, and then the traffic cops stopping putting it on. I'm like, are they doing a prequel? Are we seeing like oh, the okay. early days of Dirty Harry? That's I, my first thought going into that. No, my, actually, I actually had a similar thought. I didn't think it was a prequel though. I thought, oh, he took a job as a traffic cop. That was like his way of like, you know, he's given up the badge, he but he's still out. a cop. He's just he's just doing traffic police now. Possible. Yeah, but turns, yeah, turns out a, this is the villain actually instead. Yes, because that's because I, I thought that they were hiding his face because they're going to do this big reveal where he mm -hmm. turns around and he's got the helmet on and it's Harry, but it wasn't. It wasn't him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, it's basically set up the same structurally as the first movie, where we just open up on the villain doing this horrible thing, and then we get into the rest of the plot. It's just the eye catch, more or less. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I when. Even, I guess, we got to go slightly before that, uh, because there is one thing I have here in my notes, is that the opening title sequence of this movie is a red screen and a hand holding the forty-four Magnum. The most powerful handgun in the world, don't you know? The most powerful handgun in the world, of course. And it's just holding it as the opening titles go on for about... I'd say a minute 30 seconds, and there's this very, very slow zoom the entire time. And, like, you can see this hand is, like, twitching and, like, struggling <laughs> to hold this gun up. And I'm like, surely an image would have worked here just as well. But no, they did that for a minute and a half. They turn it and aims towards the camera, fires off a shot, and then he says the speech again. And I genuinely was laughing at that point that we were just like hey guys we showed you the gun but here's also this just so you know you walked into the right theater <laughs> like yeah no we're just going to tell you right off the gate now 44 magnum do you feel lucky punk and then movie actually starts i just found that i don't want to say like ridiculous but it would be the sort of thing of like opening up like 
an Iron Man movie with him getting into the armor and then turning right to the camera and saying, I am Iron Man. Yes. It's just a little bit like, yeah, we. that's why we're here. I, d- I did chuckle a bit at that. I did chuckle a bit at that. I've got, I've got some other observations and comparisons to the first movie, you know, mm-hmm. and thoughts about the whole thing. But I think before we get into anything, uh, I just I wanted to bring up, because we said that repeatedly to, in the first review, that it's kind of weird that this is going to have sequels, even though yeah. I know they exist, because the whole arc, the whole point of the movie is that he throws the badge away at the end. Um, yeah. And I do think that there is conceptually a really smart thing in this movie, where right away it sets up this villain, this traffic cop kills this guy who got away with murder, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is like, the villain's going to be someone who's a more extreme version of Harry. It's going to be a, a cop who's yeah. killing bad guys, and Harry's going to have to stop. And I thought, you know what? Before we get to execution, before no pun intended, and before we get to, <laughs> uh, you know, how it actually handles the material, on paper, I'm like, you know what? For a sequel to Dirty Harry, the idea that there's someone who's kind of like Harry but takes it far too far, and in, in that they're just a judge, jury, and executioner... Mm-hmm. is actually a fascinating challenge for Harry and maybe it will make him question how he does things and maybe have him re-examine who he is. It's not a bad yeah. idea. Like, you know, as far as yeah, no, no. sequel I, ideas I go. Think, I think that this movie simultaneously can and can't exist without the first movie. Like, <laughs> the only reason that these villains work is because we know Harry was, like, pretty much down that exact same path in the first movie. How yes. he was like, oh, screw the system. Like, I don't I don't want any part of it. I know what's right and I'm going to do what's right. But at the same time, like, they they basically just ignore the entire driving force of he's an aging cop and the system isn't working for him anymore and he feels the need to leave. Yeah, they have to ignore so, that completely. Yeah, so it's it's while it's picking up on the characterization of Dirty Harry, it's not really continuing the theme that's set up in the first one. So it both needs the first one to exist in order to further the character, while at the same time has to ignore it in order to let the plot actually make sense. Yep. Strange strange combo, it, but I do I do appreciate the idea of the villain just being, hey, what if Dirty Harry was as bad as everyone thinks he is? Yeah, kinda. That's, that's... Hmm. You know, I, I think it's an interesting challenge thematically based on what the character was in the first movie. Uh, hmm. But, I mean, before we go any further, though, I, I guess just general impressions of the movie. Uh, David, how did you feel about Magnum Force? I I enjoyed it. I don't want to bury the lead. I did enjoy Magnum Force as a whole. I don't quite think it had... I guess I want to say the care and attention that the first movie had. I think that it felt a lot more like, hey, we've got this established character that did extremely well. We have, like, based off of what I was reading, um, the idea of a vigilante cop was actually one of the original pitches for the first movie. Mm. Um, So they just... Eastwood apparently loved it. The director of the first movie didn't. So they went with what became Dirty Harry. Then Eastwood took the idea and turned it into the sequel. So I get that this is something that was there from the beginning. It was something that wanted to be done, but it definitely felt more like this wouldn't have been done if the first Dirty Harry wasn't successful, or at the very least, it wouldn't have been done under the Dirty Harry name. Yeah. It would have just been its own separate thing of Clint Eastwood is Mike Johnson. So 
I do like the movie. There is just some little spark missing from it. And I think what it might be is that this feels more done in terms of I've seen this before. I've seen the thing like oh, so many movies. And again, this might have been the one that like started off a trend or something like that. But so many movies have this thing of the black and white morality being taken too far of this one person being the judge and jury and executioner. It's I've seen this a lot more than I've seen, you know, the aging cop coming out of the system. And he's got this one like, like this one just seems a lot more saturated in uh, well, what I've previously experienced. I think before you even get to saturation, I think this one's just a bit more schlocky. It's not It's not as deep. It's not got the depth oh. to it. Because, you know, we, we spent most of the conversation in the first movie talking about the ideas and the themes and what the character represents mm-hmm. in the time period. Like, I don't think we can have the same conversation here. There's little snippets oh, of no. it. There's, there's little things, like, peeking in. But for the most part, the movie's kind of at odds with what the first movie was saying in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I think inherently it's more of just a schlocky action crime movie with a badass main character and that can be fun in its own right and i think for the most part it's very watchable it's maybe a little too long it's like two full hours i was feeling it a bit towards the end i was kind of like and i think from a pacing perspective as well it didn't feel like it ramped up to the finale for me it kind of felt like it was just oh we're in the last 15 minutes it's time to have what's going to be the ending now whereas the first movie i think in comparison i think ramped up wonderfully to the moment where you know harry was coming after the villain at the end oh yeah uh, yeah, he, I think I said in the I said in the first one how I felt like it built and built and built and every single time I thought it was like this must clearly be the yeah. ending because it, it how could you build any more and then <laughs> they just kept doing it. This one like there was a there was a scene I guess about halfway through where there's a uh, a robbery of like a pharmacy or something. Yeah, I don't think that really went anywhere, did it? No, that was just very standard. That was a standalone yeah. thing on its own. Yeah. It just popped in the middle there. It's like, hey, this is happening. That's, and then it just Honestly, the first half of the movie felt like it stopped to do just standalone Dirty Harry adventures whilst the overall plot was building in the background. Which actually, one of the things I have to talk about, I know why you're smiling. Cause, yeah. Right? So in the first movie, we, we joked a little bit how it was a little contrived and silly that whilst Harry was getting a hot dog, there was a bank robbery across the street that he just happened to notice. This movie, yep. <laughs> from a structure perspective, copies this exact scene in this one, but holy shit, does it turn it up to 11. So this time he's getting a burger at the airport, and yep. he just happens to be there when he hears like a code word at the airport which says there's something wrong. He just stumbles mm-hmm. into the back room, and it turns out those hijackers who are holding a plane <laughs> hostage on the runway, and Harry ends up like, you know, dressing up as a pilot and going on and like taking them out. And it's a whole sequence. We'll talk about it uh, a bit oh, more. God. But I was like, when I realized, and especially when I clocked, wait a minute, this was him getting a burger. In the, the last one, it was a hot dog. This is becoming a running thing where he goes to get yeah. food and there's just some crazy like villain villainous thing happening for him to solve i was yeah. like I, I i couldn't stop laughing I, I was i was beside myself i mean i genuinely expected him because they put him in a pilot's outfit he has to mm. fake that he's a pilot long enough for him to get the upper hand on these hijackers i was half expecting him to walk onto the plane still holding like a burger in his hand oh, yeah. just being like hi i'm the foreign pilot I'm- well, even just the way it cuts into it, because he walks into the meeting with like you know air traffic control and airport security and whoever is in there, and is mm-hmm. is he, they're like, "Oh, get out!" And he's like, "No, I'm a cop." And he shows the badge, and he's like, "Oh, well, this is a situation." 
and mm-hmm. he's like he called the FBI he's like ah, they're on their way but it's going to take them like half an hour or something and he's like may I make a suggestion and it just cuts to him in a pilot uniform walking out to the and I'm like in what world would these people just accept that this rogue detective who just happens to be there should dress up and go and try I mean I, I think they say something like the the the, the the hijackers are like really agitated and they're determined to like leave right now so they're yeah they they're they're waiting for a foreign pilot like an international pilot Mm. who can get that distance and i did they need that i did have a chuckle though because he sits down in the pilot's chair and he looks over at the co-pilot he's like "Uh, you want to get this thing moving (laughs) because i have a freaking clue what i'm doing my favorite part in that whole sequence was Mm. once the plane like harry starts Pushing the plane forward, it starts to take off. He is going down the runway, and there's a call from one of the people in the back room that Harry talked to, uh, to his lieutenant, Lieutenant Briggs, who's a major character in this. Yeah. Um, he, t- he calls up Lieutenant Briggs in the car saying, like, yeah, we were really lucky. One of your detectives was here, uh, Detective uh, Callahan. And you just get a cut to Briggs. He's like, Callahan? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, exactly. That should be the response here. Yeah, it just... <laughs> I just... I couldn't believe how they copied this exact moment from the first movie, but just turned it into, like, an even more extreme situation. I mean, I have to assume, because this is a five-movie franchise, correct? Yeah. Ending with the Deadpool. Yes. I'm assuming in the Deadpool, he's going to space. <laughs> like, I, I can't imagine how we can't keep going higher. I don't remember anything about Deadpool, except there's a young Jim Carrey in it as, like, a rock star. Really? That's okay. all I remember. Yeah. It's like Jim Carrey before he did like Ace Ventura or anything like that. This is like right. 1989 Jim Carrey. So right. kind of wild in that sense. But yeah, I just, I was, I was, my, my jaw was agape. So when he got to the, the chemist store robbery thing, which was kind of mm-hmm. weird because they had like a little hiding area and they, they could see the robbery happening. It was just kind of right. like, I think it was meant to show that him and his partner were working well together because his partner was in undercover or something. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I didn't really accomplish much. Yeah, I mean, I I got it. I started taking notes on this, just of general thoughts. But around, I would say, shortly after the airplane scene, obviously, I had to start just writing down the plot beats in the order that they happened. Because a lot of these things don't really just inform one another. Like, at one point, there's a scene of them doing like a championship shooting competition and while for the plot that scene is necessary and for character development it, it does have a purpose yeah it absolutely has yeah a purpose. there's nothing though that like leads into it there's no. nothing like at no point prior in the thing do they i mean I, barring i think one throwaway line they, me- they mentioned at no point it, prior they mentioned yeah. it in a much earlier scene but it's not like on the build-up to the scene like there's a big gap right. between when it's mentioned and then all of a sudden we're at a shooting competition thing yeah exactly and then uh I mean, I don't want to jet too far ahead here, so why don't we move on? So, the new partner. Yes. Partner Earl, or is it Earl? I think it's Earl. Earl Smith? I'm, I'm, I'm scanning the... Uh... All I know is that the actor is well-known as Johnson from RoboCop series. So Sure, yeah. Uh, the... The new partner here, I like the way that they introduced it in that they kind of just had to do that wink and a nod of like, yes, this the, the first dirty movie 
the first Dirty Harry movie did happen. We're not just ignoring it entirely. Yeah, he mentions his so, previous partners uh, teaching at a college, which was hinted yeah. at that he would go to teach last movie, so... Okay. Yes, exactly. So they never laid it down of it being a definite period of time. They never said that, like, oh, I lost my partner six months ago. They were like, no, it's just been long enough that he has followed through and has moved on to teaching. And now you are my new partner. And I, I think that while they don't really do anything to inform who this partner is outside of who he relates to Harry as, I did still like him. I think he was a decent enough... Presence. I want to say, yeah, presence. Because he's just the straight man to Harry's craziness. That's all he is. I don't see this character existing outside of how he exists relative to Harry. It feels kind of... It feels kind of unnecessary in the movie because we already know mm-hmm. who Harry is. We don't really need to ha- give him a partner necessarily. But yeah, he's he's pleasant enough in his role, you know, when he's around. Yeah. So I mean, I can't really complain too much. Um, as far as other characters goes, uh, here you were keeping spoiler free just now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Lieutenant Briggs, who's you know hates Harry and just constantly <laughs> doesn't want him around, but reluctantly brings him in at a certain point. Uh, he's like mm-hmm. a big character in this, but we see we see a lot of him uh, throughout. I vaguely remember in the last movie there was a lieutenant, but it wasn't Briggs. No, it was someone else. I think it was else. a different name. And we commented how we were like, oh, you know, it's a bit refreshing how the lieutenant just doesn't hate Harry. Like, he respects how yeah. Harry does things. This movie just 100% goes into like, yep, nope, you're you're playing it's, by, by your own rules, Harry, and lieutenant will not have it. It's just another one of those things that makes it feel less unique than the first movie does. It's all mm-hmm. just more generic. Um, it's still fairly well done for what it's doing in terms of just being an entertaining, you know, action thriller. But it's mm-hmm. it's definitely missing a lot of those nuances and a lot of those little things that just make it feel special. Um, yeah, yeah. So you got you got him. Uh, you've got a group of rookie cops that are kind of prominent characters as well. Uh, these four rookie mm-hmm. cops that are good at shooting that Harry kind of respects. They're introduced early on. They're they're kind of a big part of it. Um, and then you know, there's the odd little other character that pops up. There's a neighbor character. So one of the things that Struck struck, oh, yeah. struck me in this movie. <laughs> it's only two, really, but like every lady in this movie that Harry encounters, not only do they want Harry, it struck me how similarly they they asked them if they were interested because I have that exactly yeah. written down in my notes here in all caps of everyone wants to take a ride on Harry. But it's not just that; it's the way they ask. They ask in the exact same way. So earlier on, we're introduced to this character played by Mitchell Ryan, who you might know from Lethal Weapon, he's been in other stuff, he's in Halloween 3 season of The Witch, I think. Oh, what? What's that him? Well, I may, uh, I may be, no, I think I'm confusing him with Tom Atkins, maybe. No, I don't know. But, uh, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Oh, it's Halloween 6, that's what, I'll mix my Halloween movies yeah. up. He's in 6. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. And Hal Holbrook, who plays Lieutenant, Lieutenant Briggs, he's in The Fog, for the record, that's where I know him from. Uh, okay. but yeah so Mitchell Ryan plays this cop and he's kind of uh, introduced early on as this cop is on the edge and you're thinking oh maybe he's the killer because he's, he seems like he might be suicidal his wife's left him um, mm-hmm. and then Harry goes to see his wife because he's friends with both of them and this guy's wife like when she puts the kids to bed is like Harry can I ask you a personal question and he's like sure go ahead and she's like what do I have to do why, why have you never made a pass at me come on you know what? and mm-hmm. That's on its own. That's fine. It's whatever. It feels like she's moving on to like one of her husband's friends, like really quickly, given they've just separated. But whatever. Yeah. Uh, she's really horny. Whatever. <laughs> There's a random scene 
not too much after that, where Harry's going home to his apartment, he comes in, he checks his mail, and this young, at least much younger than him anyway, Asian woman, steps out. Yeah. She's like five foot tall. She's this tiny Asian woman. He's like, oh, you're the you're the cop who lives upstairs. And he's like, yeah, that's right. And he's just being very stoic, as he is. And she's like, can I ask you a question? And he's like, sure, go ahead. What does a woman have to do is, you know, spend the night with you? And I'm like... How are two, how, just from a writing perspective, could the writer not have, like, changed how they phrased this so that it wasn't the exact same thing? Like, because they both start by saying, can I ask you a question? And then immediately just say something really blunt about wanting to be with them. Um, don't get me wrong. His response here was funny. Like, his response here was try knocking on the door, which she does, like, you know, a minute later. And, Yeah. yeah. See, that was, that was the part where I feel like this was an earlier version of the script colliding with a later version mm. where I feel like the earlier version had him actually like starting to see and hooking up with, uh, his name is Charlie, his, uh, ex-wife. And then at a certain point, Charlie just got reduced more and more and more in the script. Oh, he's barely in it. That's the thing. The scene they introduced him, I thought, you're going to be a prominent character that's going to be, and, like, this, like, constant thing that we're thinking about. And, and then they just, talk about him, like, three times. But he disappears. He disappears just, until one scene really late in the movie. Yeah. So, I think that this was just different versions of the script colliding, where they're like, we're going to have this whole big backdrop of, you know... I, I, I don't doubt that at some point in there, he actually did do a thing with the ex-wife, because... When the ex-wife lets him go to whatever he needed to do, which I actually believe was the pharmacy robbery scene, she just plants one on his lips and says, Mm -hmm. like, oh, come back whenever. It's like, have I been doing friendship wrong? I I don't think that's how you say goodbye. But then, yeah, again, just a few scenes later, we introduce to this new character, and I feel like the reason that she is so forward towards Harry is because all of the scenes that were given to her in the latter half of the movie were probably belonging to the ex-wife to start with. Ah, and they maybe. just were just like, eh, just, yeah, you know, oh, she just really wants Harry for no particular reason. Because she, she comes up to Harry's place, uh, he gets called away, but then when he comes back, she's still there and they you know, spend mm-hmm. the night together. And then later on, they're on the phone and she's like, hey, I'm going to pick up something at the market, can I get you something? And it's like, oh yeah, I've got to keep your place. And I'm like, oh, that's that's just progressing a lot in the background exactly. without us not yeah. seeing anything. Yeah, it's just uh, it's kind of wild. And obviously, there's a moment later on without getting to spoilers stuff here, but mm. she's in jeopardy. And that's kind of how I felt about every character that Harry cares about. I'm like, yeah, you're probably gonna die. You're probably gonna die. You're probably gonna. Yeah. You know, I just kind of I felt that about everyone that introduced to me because it's like everyone's fodder to like make Harry angry later so he can like get revenge. I mean, without there being too many spoilers, but I'm sure you could figure it out. There's one scene about two-thirds of the way through the movie, where he talks to his partner about, like, oh, I think this, that, and the other thing about the bad guys, and this might be the last time I see you because I'll end up dead. Goodbye, my partner. And the partner's (laughs) like, see ya. And I'm like, well, definitely one of you is dying. (laughs) Yeah, it's... Yeah, so there's definitely some predictability in the movie. Mm. Uh, There's, like, a villain reveal at one point, which was... The most obvious villain reveal. <laughs> like, I mean, you say that, but I, without getting too much spoilery, uh, there is a few very strong misdirections in this. That while mm-hmm. it seems, 
while it seems like it's obvious once you're introduced to the villain who the villain is, there are a couple things in this that at least took me the opposite way ever so briefly. Okay. Maybe not, maybe not like I didn't ever write them off entirely, but I was like, okay, but like maybe it's this other person. Um, and we'll get to that when we get to it, but it is a, I, I see the parts where it's like at least toying with the idea of like, okay, but like, do you actually know? It never says it's never a full turn. It's never a full twist, but it's just planting small enough seeds of doubt where it's like, but are you positive about that? Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, I will say, you know, one of the things we talked about in the first movie is Harry's mm -hmm. attitudes on the world and how it's changing and his reactions to threesomes and things like that. There's yeah. a, there's actually a funny little scene in this where uh, him and his partner are walking past the, the four rookies and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Harry mentions that he knows them and, like, the, the young partner says hey to them. He's like, oh, do you know those guys? And he's like, yeah, yeah, they're in the academy after I was. Uh, they're really close friends, you know, they're, they're stuck so close together, people thought they were queer, right? So, you know, a mm -hmm. bit of a dated, you know, uh, oh, absolutely. thought process in and of itself. But uh, Harry turns and says, hey, if uh, the rest of the department could shoot like them, I wouldn't mind if the whole department was queer. And just as he says that, like an older cop's walking past and just does this turn like, what did you say, Harry? <laughs> and it holds on him for like 10 yeah. seconds. Like, he's just sitting there like excuse me but in a weird way i think this was the movie showing that harry's progressed a little bit and he's like yeah, oh, yeah. I, I don't care if they're gay if they can shoot properly <laughs> like, oh yeah absolutely <laughs> that's the cops i want watching my back but see that i know i don't want to get too deep into it but yeah, yeah. I, that honestly is how i feel this entire movie's theming is where the first movie was like he's an old cop he he's can't teach old dog new tricks like that and the villain represented that of his perfect adversary in that situation. Now we're taking the morality from the first movie, applying that to the villain, turning it up to 11, because obviously it has mm. to be more extreme. And then we're showing how Harry is yet still opposite to that. So while we like Harry was outside the law in the first movie, now he's like, I've, I've quote from much later on it's uh literally him saying uh where is it oh look i hate the system but i go with it because that's all we've got yeah, yeah. so it's 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 i think you know, i mean the it's the, the antithesis of the first movie the sad part of this is is that i think a better version of this movie and a better version of this specific story is mm. that you have harry from the first movie now forgetting the fact that he threw away the badge and it's stupid to bring him back after that but forgetting yeah. that part there's actually a good arc in him kind of realizing that there has to be a line that he, even he shouldn't cross and that the villain oh, yeah. crossing that line is something he should stop. That there is, there's an arc there. There's a very good story about him realizing, finally enough, what his limitations should be. <laughs> exactly. Right. That's why I think that yeah. line was used. So the problem is, though, is I don't think the movie does a good enough job really setting up that arc for Harry where it doesn't feel like he changes throughout the movie. It doesn't, you know, like, he has some lines early on when he sees the victims, and the victims are all criminals or bad people, and he's he, he cracks a few jokes about, oh, it couldn't have happened to a nicer bunch of people. But mm -hmm. other than that, it's not like he's, like, conflicted about letting the, the bad guys yeah. get away with it or anything. He just kind of is just always him. So I think it suffers from not having a nice clear arc where he learns something. 
Yeah, I mean, we open up with, again, that very clear, if you ignore the opening scene, because obviously that's where you get into the gray area of justice, but yeah, yeah. if you open up with the hijacking, Harry's first time actually doing something in the movie, it's super clear cut. It's a thing of the hijackers are clearly in the wrong here, and Harry is clearly in the right. Therefore, whatever he does, the ends justify the means. And only over the course of the movie, as Harry slowly comes to understand more and more of the evidence and like who it's pointing to, that he's like, okay, maybe I should, you know, back yeah, off that a little bit. Maybe. But we don't ever see that from Harry's mind. No. We only ever see that from ourself being like, okay, Harry, but like, I guess the biggest issue here is I don't know what Harry's moral code really is. In the first movie, it was the ends justify the means. But now this says that, no, it's a bit more complicated than that. But well, that, it never goes to, into what it is. That's just supposed to challenge it. And that's good. That's that's a great idea yeah. for a sequel. But the Absolutely. problem fundamentally is that it, it, it never goes deep enough with it and actually gives him an arc. And I'm thinking, you know, we, can, we compared a lot of the first movie to like Batman and Joker stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't think there's going to be much of that here. But I would say, you know, in the new Batman movie, there was a really great arc for Batman where it's very clear cut. And then he realizes by the end why the way he does things is maybe not real quite. It's not the exact same as this, obviously, but right. why he does things is not the right way of doing it. And he has to adapt. He has to adjust. I don't mm-hmm. think this movie has a clear arc for Harry where he learns something like that and really changes who he is. Don't get me wrong. It's great that he is challenged to the idea that maybe... Yeah, like, he can't just have ultimate power as a police officer because he's seen it be abused by these other people who are are doing something, you know, they're just going far and beyond and just murdering people left and right. And honestly, without spoiling it, I think the ending, like, the absolute, the final shot sort of ending of this movie undermines that entire sort of thing. Because in the end, does he actually learn that? Oh, yeah, for sure. And the other problem I have with the ending is I'm like, and this doesn't spoil anything, all I could think was, how are you going to prove anything? I mean, I, we all know why you were taking out the person you just did and so on. Oh, yeah. But you have no evidence, I don't think, really, of this? I don't think <laughs> Harry... I mean, that was back to the first movie. That's really what Harry's moral code is. Is like, yeah. if I say it, that's good enough for evidence. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think the reason why we're judging this maybe a bit harsher than you may think, because you could probably say, oh, it's just, you know, it's a fun, dumb action movie. And that would be fine, but the problem is the first movie wasn't a dumb action movie. The first movie, despite the, on the surface, it seems like, oh, this old-school tough cop who does what he wants. And you can see a lot of people like, idolizing him for maybe the wrong reasons, and that's like a problem mm-hmm. you have sometimes in media when you have characters like this. And maybe this sequel is kind of born out of that because it's made for the people who idolize him. Mm-hmm. I think that first movie, once we actually dug into it, it's like, no, this is actually saying a lot of things, and it's poking at a lot of questions. It's actually a lot deeper than that, which is why I think you then judge the sequel up to that standard and say... No, this doesn't really say much. It's, it, it kind of has the elements that it could say something, but I don't think by the end it really is saying anything great or is really tackling the subject properly, even though the building blocks are kind of there to to do it. They just don't yeah. utilize them correctly. Honestly, it strikes me the same sort of way as like someone who is trying to make the argument against something, but they don't wholly believe it themselves. Mm. Like It strikes me because... They mentioned very early on in the movie about Brazilian death squads of the police who are just taking all of this into their own hands and are uh, becoming judge, jury, executioner. They make that direct comparison, which only happened a few years prior to the release of this movie. 
I feel like the the way it was written was them saying like obviously that's wrong obviously they shouldn't yeah. be doing that but then when they like really come down to it they're like pressed on it of like okay specifically why is it wrong like where do you draw the line they're like well i mean they did some stuff i agree with and it's just like okay but like you can't have that give and take there you have to come down especially with as black and white as harry plays it of like no these if i if harry is always to be in the right anyone he goes against has to be in the wrong there can't be that little area where harry's like I mean, sometimes some people do deserve that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know, the reason why it works in the first movie is because the the guy, like, literally was not stopping. He couldn't be stopped, and it took Harry... Oh. Like, he had to come in and stop him, whereas in this movie, the villain is going after, like, everyone who's, like, who's who... Like, yeah, they all understand that like, all the cops know that all these people are guilty of things. Some mm. of them much worse things than others. Uh, and obviously there's an innocent bystander or two along the way, which obviously makes it even more just outright right. evil and villainous. But see, that's what I'm thinking. I think that Harry doesn't really care until the innocent bystanders get yeah. involved. Like, as soon as that happens, he's like, all right, now hold the phone. We're not talking about pimps and drug dealers and murderers. We're talking about innocent bystander. And that person breaks my code. Yeah. Yeah. So... It, it, yeah, it's just not as it's not as layered. Uh, it, it can it, it has enough of the building blocks in there. It can almost look like it is at a glance mm-hmm. and pretend to be. But when you actually stop and break it down, uh, it doesn't quite there. And then on top of that, just from like a, a technical filmmaking perspective, um, yeah. I think it looks pretty good. I think there's some nice little moments of direction. There's a moment where they go into like the ballistics room, and there's this like sort of like top down shot that lasts for a long time as like harry yeah. and the lieutenant are talking there's, there was little like flourishes like that that were quite good but i think mm-hmm. from a pacing perspective it does suffer and it doesn't really have this like great building momentum going into like the uh the final act i would say yeah no there's a whole subplot in here where they're looking for suspects and harry is put to follow a guy named palacio mm-hmm. and i have like a half page of notes here about like okay he's on palacio he does this he does that he does the other thing and then it just doesn't go anywhere. Like, it, it it ends up wrapping up that plot, and it's just like, all right, but none of that was actually important. It's, we're, the rest of the plot is over here. And I just feel like it came down to they needed a big action scene at the end of the second act. Yeah. And so they just had to stick that in there. I mean, it loosely ties in in one small way, but yeah, like... It, just the smallest possible yeah. way, though. No, I agree. You you could have definitely cut that down. There's definitely some of the random, like the the, the chemists, you know, scene where mm-hmm. they stopped the robbery. That could have been taken out. There's, I, I think we could easily sit down and cut like 20 minutes out of this movie and the, everything would make sense. I don't uh, even think it needs to be cut down particularly. It just needs to be more well-related. Like there's oh, sure. one point where when Harry's given the assignment of following Palancio, he straight up says like, this guy could be the next target. Like, he could, this guy could Which be... Which, honestly, if, is, I thought that's what it was going to do. I thought, while well, he's following him, like, mm-hmm. they're going to, you know, whoever it is is going to target this guy. Um, right. Which, actually, I mean, given if you know the rest of the plot, it wouldn't make sense if some, mm-hmm. if, the, if the the perpetrator tried it. But, yeah, that's what I thought it was going to do. Yeah, was, I, thought, I, I thought it was going to have a scene where Harry, like, straight up tells him, like, hey, look, I don't like the way you do things. I don't like how you operate but currently there's somebody who's going to try to kill you and we're after that guy right now so 
and just having a little bit of a thing where it's showing which may Harry. Have been, that may have been quite yeah. interesting, even just showing him having to interact with them and like stay in a room with them, like because yeah. he's protecting the scumbag, you know? Yeah, exactly. But in in the end, all it came down to was just this one tiny little relation to the entire rest of the third act, and honestly, it just seemed throwaway for the most part. So. Yeah. yeah, I think I think this could have benefited from us focusing on one or two major, like well-known bad guys who we are led to believe are being targeted and then following yeah. them throughout the thing. Instead, we cycle through like four or five different ones of them and we don't really get to know any of them. Yeah, none of them are prominent characters uh, mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form. Uh, and there's at least one early on. I don't even think they established what they did that was bad, at least before they get killed. Because I was like, there's, there's a, a pool scene. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. was like, okay, I get like that they're probably bad people because they've all been bad people, but nothing actually established like, what type of bad person they were. You know, because the opening scene was like, this guy just got out of court and he was acquitted mm-hmm. of murder for, you know, technicalities and he's clearly guilty. You know, it made yeah. it very clear what this guy is. And then there's like a pimp who like, you see how awful he is to his prostitute and right. all the rest of the you know, so you... By the way, the uh, the pimp was actually the same actor who was on the receiving end of the You Feel Lucky Punk from the first movie. Really? Yep. That's a is it maybe the same character or is it just like a No. He no. he apparently shows up through multiple different ones of these franchises. We're gonna keep on seeing him as different characters. That is that well, that's kinda neat, I suppose. Uh mm-hmm. yeah. I did think the portrayal of the pimp and the prostitute was a bit, uh, a bit in the dated side. Uh, I mean, but it is dated, so yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I obviously those stereotypes come out of some period of time. I don't know what the overlap is with this movie. Yeah. So it was just it was very uh, the dialogue, you know, everything about it. even the, like the pimp's card made me laugh because oh, it was yeah, so over absolutely. the top. Uh, you know, he's, he's got the furry seats covers. He's got the the convertible. I mean, the, the, the I different think colors. his trunk is literally fur. Yeah, there's like, like the ex- external of his car. I'm I don't like, think that it wouldn't would... survive one rainstorm. I don't think the top was actually a leopard print per se, but it was something like that. It was like a different yeah. you know material and color. Um, so you know, it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just you, you you've got an image in your head, right? You know. Yeah. Uh, I think just as we described that, so I think we'll we'll probably give the spoiler warning so we can start just freely bouncing around and talking about what happens in the movie, yep, and all the murders and stuff that are in it. So full spoilers for Magnum Force from this point on. You have been warned. So yeah. Okay, so Charlie dies. Dear Lord, I needed to get that out. Who? Charlie. Charlie's the cop who we meet early on, played by Mitchell Ryan, whose wife is into uh, uh, Harry. And he mm-hmm. is set up as this character who is begrunt, uh, you know, he's upset, he... He hates the system as much as Harry Yeah, does. and it, you know, he's kind of... more so. He's a red herring, basically, because it's like, oh, he could be the he could be the killer, he could be the one that's going and offing people because he's, he's, he's mm. pissed that his wife's left him, he hates the system, you know, like, it's really setting him up that he could be the guy, to the point where Harry even thinks he's the guy, yep. uh, until he's killed as a bystander during a scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the actual guy. By the actual guy. Uh, well, one of the actual guys as the right. you know the big the big twist being that all four of the rookies are the the hit squad, so they're all mm-hmm. al- alternating uh, which one of them is doing it. Yep. So, um, so the, the, the I mentioned before that there was a few little red herrings in there that kind of threw me off. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that really got me in terms of because if you haven't seen the traffic uniform, uh, it is 
pretty much covering all identifying features. It's it basically, is... uh, think a T2, think a T1000, not at the start of the mm. movie, but once he's got the uh, the motorbike and the helmet and the sunglasses. Yep, yep it's just yep. a big white dome, big sunglasses. You can't tell much, but there's one point uh, before the reveal technically happens. I think it's when he's talking to the pimp, actually. Uh, they do a close-up on just his eyes. It's the sunglasses. You can't mm. see anything past that. But you can see little tufts of hair on the side, and they are very clearly gray hair. Ah. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, none of the rookies are that young. It, could this actually be Charlie? Looking back on it now, I don't know if that was supposed to be just a direct red herring where they show you something that doesn't exist at all, mm. or if it was actually supposed to be shock and awe the lieutenant who was also in on the whole who, thing who turns out to be the ringleader who's like directing these four rookies to just kill whoever he seems he, he deems to be guilty enough yeah. to be killed uh yeah obviously like it's, you know they, they end up killing a cop who's like an innocent bystander uh i mean i would argue that like during that pool scene there were a bunch of that's uh, true girlfriends yeah. and stuff there's a lot of people who could be considered innocent bystanders, but technically, if you want to get to they the never... moral code, they're all associating with known bad people. Yeah, but how many, like, there's a lot of, like, topless women there. Like, how many of them are just paid to be there because they're rich criminals that are hiring oh, yeah. them? Like, you know, they, they could be very innocent in that pill scene. Because yeah. that was Absolutely. the thing. So the first kill is the, the murderer from the start, where the, the traffic mm -hmm. cop pulls him over and just pulls out his gun and shoots everyone in the car. Uh, yeah. The second time... He throws the whoever, whatever for one of the four it is, goes into the bushes next to this pool party, throws in like mm -hmm. a briefcase that has like gas releasing from it or smoke, and then just opens fire. Um, very mass shooting style, to be honest. Uh, oh like, yeah, this was, this was something that felt like I feel like movies wouldn't do this too much now because it, it evokes too many like real world things. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, they they literally had two hijackers on a plane going to New York. I didn't even notice it was New York, but it was New uh, York. Okay, well, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, luckily they never took off and yeah. it wasn't for like uh, religious or political it was, this was purely just a ransom yeah, hijacking but yeah uh, yeah so you have that scene which is separate from the killings but uh, mm -hmm. the third killings is the pimp and there's quite a bit of setup for this one because you see the prostitute like leave like the hotel whatever get in the cab uh, there's like an extended sequence of the cab driver like sort of like looking and licking his lips and like mmm Oh, woman. Mm. See, you say there's quite a bit of setup, and yes, I agree there's quite a bit of setup to him being murdered, but yes. this entire subplot felt so separate from everything else. Oh, no, it absolutely is, but like, I just mean in the sense that you spend a lot of time with her and then the pimp mm -hmm. with her before he eventually dies. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, like, and she like, gets into, like, the cab driver like perving on her because she starts teasing him by opening her legs a little bit and stuff mm -hmm. and then when she gets out of the car the pimp comes in and starts slapping her around and like oh where's my money and he's like pulling the money out of all of her orifices that she stuffed it <laughs> um yep. and then kills her by i guess was it drain cleaner he puts in yeah. her he pours down her throat um yep. and it's like, okay so this guy's awful all right so he's probably a victim soon um mm -hmm. maybe but it's like the next scene like there's yeah. no time waiting you have to wonder if, uh, like, the reason why... Because the, the, the victims before this are like, okay, high-profile murder case, crime boss, you know, stuff like that. This is relatively small fry in comparison. I wonder if this is like, oh, did the cab driver, like, give, like, an account to one of these, like, four officers? Like, when he ran away and presumably got a cop, mm. is it one of them that he's spoke, spoken to 
and that's why they've picked him for for a target. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's clearly when it got to the morgue, they heard the whole story. Like the guy in yeah. the morgue recounted the whole story, saying like, "Oh, he was shot point blank. He must have stood about here." And they put together that it must have been like a cop because he had his driver's license and a bribe out. Yeah, I didn't so. like that detail because when he gets pulled over and he, he holds up his driver, there's just a hundred dollar bill just sitting next to the license mm-hmm. for him to take. Uh, that's yeah. just clearly how he deals with these situations. Yeah, I mean, as soon as he pulled over, he says like, "You must be new." So, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's. I think that it was something that they knew about. I don't, I don't know. See, that's the sort of thing of. They made a comment offhandedly uh, during the scene where Harry is brought to the morgue and they're just walking down all the victims saying like, hey, this guy had, did this thing, this guy did this thing. And then they remark on how it is seemingly getting to smaller fry people. Like it isn't as yeah. big targets anymore. I guess that implies that almost like they made, or they decided to do this for the first time because this guy who is clearly guilty of murder, almost like the first one was kind of like the, the bad guy from the first movie where mm-hmm. this guy is guilty, he's getting away with it, he might do it again. You could almost say that in the same way Harry went after the guy in the first movie, we could maybe argue as an audience that this is somewhat justifiable, at least in movie right. terms. But then they start working their way down the food chain. And that kind of lines up with what Harry says later, like, where does it end? Like, do you start killing people for jaywalking? Do you start killing people for having right. traffic violations? Like, wh- where do you keep going with this? Because you, you keep going further down the ladder. And, like, yeah. where's the end? And that's that's the sort of thing where I'm trying to figure out... That's why I think it bothers me with Harry's moral code, is that he asks that question, but he never gives an answer. He never no. says where he is. Clearly, there is some level of acceptable loss on his side because he packs a forty-four well, Magnum. Joe, Joe jo would have been a good ending, actually, and this would have answered that question. Is if he chose not to kill the lieutenant at the end, if he yeah. like, made a choice to say, you know what, I'm not going to kill him because I've learned some kind of lesson, and, mm-hmm. uh, and this is not the answer. It's um, like, yeah, this is. And honestly, I mean, you could take that. I'm sure at this point they were like, hey, Dirty Harry makes money, so we're going to turn this into some sort of a series. Franchise, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure, like, it, they could literally have just redone the first ending before where he's like, hey, I, the, for those who don't know, there was a whole chase scene, the three remaining motor cops, because one of them got killed in an earlier scene. They're all chasing Harry around. On he, a boat. Because they end up in a pier, it's a big ship, so it's a really dark yeah. ship, there's a lot of... And it's not, honestly, it's one of the least fun sequences of the whole movie, because it's just, there's yeah. not a lot of, I don't know, not a flow to it, I guess. There's a there's like one or two good shots of cinematography that I like, was like, oh, that's very impressive, but beyond that, not much else. Uh, but yeah, he just beats through the three of them, and then the lieutenant, who he beat up earlier, shows back up, and basically tells him, like, hey, I'm going to go back to the station, I'm going to report you as having killed three cops here, it's your my word against yours as to what actually happened. And we'll get to it, but for a reason, there's a bomb in the <laughs> car. Chekhov's uh, bomb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he the Harry sets the bomb to go off with the guy inside of it, and it blows up and he just walks away. Thus making it so Harry gets off scot-free somehow. Like you said, still no evidence to that, but yeah, I mean, somehow. Look, look, look at it from the outside. Like, he has just killed three traffic cops and a lieutenant, his superior. Mm-hmm. How does he explain this? I mean, I guess via that method, if you really 
try to apply logic to it. Both endings would be the same of either he lets the cop go and he's like, no, I have to let the system do its thing. That's me learning my lesson, however that turns out. Or he kills his cop and he's like, okay, I still have to let the system do its thing because I have no <laughs> evidence that I was innocent. So maybe if you view it through that lens, it is him being like... Which, honestly, the most true thing anyone says in this movie is when the lieutenant said, as he's backing away, he's like, hey, like it's my word against yours now and no one's going to believe you with your record. I thought, yeah, I, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Harry's got a pretty rough record when it comes to this sort of shit. No one's going to believe him. This yeah. is very true. So, and then uh, there was... I, I guess the only difference between the theoretical ending and the ending that actually happened is, like we said, Harry is still the jury and executioner here. Mm -hmm. He like, yes, it is undeniable that Harry is in the right and Briggs is in the wrong. And he's relatively that, backed into a corner, which I guess is meant to make us justify it as an audience. Whereas like, absolutely. You know, if he doesn't do this, then he's going to be framed for all of it and probably put, be put away for murder. Right. And that's, that's its own thing. However, he's still doing it. Yes. He's still killing his lieutenant because he personally <laughs> would not be okay if he did not do that. It's the same thing that he was yeah. just saying that he shouldn't do. Now, mind you, the morality is a lot more clear. But even then, the only person that I think Harry had a problem with dying by the hands of this squad at all was the officer. Yeah, Charlie, yeah. Was Charlie, exactly. All those other people, I feel like Harry had been like, I mean, I'm not going to join you, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, because the, the other big uh, kill scene, um, it's a little bit later on, so it's, it's, it's basically during or maybe after, because it's when all these different cops are, are all surveying different criminals that could be the next target. So mm -hmm. Harry's like chasing around this other mob boss, but there's these two other cops that are spying on this other mob boss in a, in a hotel or something. Mm -hmm. and, for hotel some house. and for some reason, uh, this is another kind of connection to the first movie. So in the first movie, there was that scene where they're doing a stakeout and this couple arrives at a guy's house, and it's like, oh, they're going to have a threesome. Here, yeah. this mob boss is having a threesome with a guy and a woman, and mm. there's like he's sort of like yelling at them about not spilling the cocaine and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, yeah it's like this weird menage a trois that he's into. <laughs> um, so whatever. Uh, but th that that's going on, and of course, like you know, the, one of the, the corrupt cops shows up at the, the door mm. and shoots them all. Um, and the two cops who are staking out from across the street are like, shit, they put down the donuts, we need to run down, because they're both like these fat cops, and they're, they're barely getting there. Um, mm. And it sets up that there's a traffic cop who was on the road, and that kind of explains that, oh, that's what, what that's whoever it was that went in and did this kind that of thing. It was Officer Davis. Yes. Uh, so it's like, okay, 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 right, so you, you're setting this stuff up. And that, this is where it kind of reveals to us that they're the ones doing it, or at least he is, because he takes off his sunglasses mm. at the end of the scene, and yeah. it's like, okay, dun, 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 it's him. You know, and it's... I, I, no, continue, yeah. I was going to say, mm -hmm. and it's, it's just after this, I think we get to the shooting competition. So we know yeah. that Davis is one of the, either the killer or one of the killers. And mm -hmm. he's like taking on Harry at the shooting competition. And Harry's yeah. starting to suspect things because he actually takes one of his bullets to like do ballistics on to see if it matches mm -hmm. one of the murder victims. Um, but we get, yeah, we get this extended sequence where they're doing the shooting range and then they do the, uh, I don't know what you call it, where the targets pop out and, They you know. said combat, that's combat, all I Combat, yeah. yeah. Uh, it just me think of Police Academy, because that's like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think of Tackleberry, you know, doing these yeah. action roles and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh, well, when we crack up about this scene, 
So, so, so Officer Davis goes out and does it, and he's it's basically perfect. He shoots a bunch of the bad guys with the guns, and obviously, it, it, occasionally, it pops out like an old woman with like a bag of uh, uh, groceries, you would call it, mm-hmm. um, uh, or a cop, right? And it's like oh, you don't shoot those, but you shoot the bad guys. Harry mm-hmm. goes and does it, and he's doing really well until the very last one, where you can sort of tell he's probably shot someone he wasn't supposed to, and it's uh, mm-hmm. the cardboard of a cop, and it cuts to the crowd, and there's just this tall guy who goes, "He shot a good guy." Not only that, but it's immediately followed by, like, time, 36 seconds, but, uh, I'm sorry, Harry, you shot a good guy. <laughs> it, was, it was hard not to, like, I don't think the movie was gunning, no pun intended for this, uh, yeah. but it, it there was, occasionally I felt a little bit of, like, the, uh, oh, this is why we need good guys with guns, because there's bad guys with guns attitude. There was a mm-hmm. little bit of that throughout the movie. And that, yeah. and it's it's hard to like not see that in especially like older action movies, because it's just like, inherently it's part of it, because it's about a, a good guy who's going to like, ultimately kill all the bad guys. And we're there for the fun of that. It's just mm-hmm. how you like how you tackle it. And obviously we tackle it a little bit differently in modern movies. And like we usually put them in a corner where they have to do it, because it's like there's no other way or something. Yeah. Whereas, you mm-hmm. know, in these older movies... Like yeah, like, <laughs> like like you know Harry, you know, it's like justifiable causes, you know, a, a twitch. And it's like all right, okay, yeah. the Magnum's coming out. <laughs> oh yeah, thing. absolutely. So just on that scene, one weird little thing that just popped up in my mind. Uh, so after that, we get basically he does some investigations on the ballistics of that bullet he pulled, and he comes to the conclusion of. I'm like ninety five percent sure that it's Davis who's doing these things, mm. and he. He shows the bullet to Briggs, who asks him, like, where did he get this bullet? And he's like, oh, it's probably nothing. I'm just going to keep it on the download for now. So Briggs knows that he's onto them and everything else. And so the remaining murder cop... And at this point, he's already said to Briggs in another scene that he thinks it's a traffic cop or someone impersonating a traffic cop. So at this point, between that and the bullet, Briggs is really concerned, presumably. Like, oh, he's Mm -hmm. he's on the right track. He's going somewhere with this. Yep. So the remaining traffic cops all come up to harry in the parking garage and basically offer him a place on their team saying like yeah you think like we do you you should come on in and he and, yeah, turns they, him down they basically admit because he because he says oh you guys have you know killed 12 people in the last week which is mm-hmm. harry basically admitting that he is on two of them and then they immediately go and next week we'll kill 12 more so they've just admitted yeah. to him that they are doing this yeah but it's yeah, very exactly it's, you know, it's in the shadows they're in the, the parking garage and it's like uh they're, they're all in shit you know they're all lined up with the helmets and the sunglasses. So it's very intimidating. It's very much like... Oh, if absolutely. You, if you don't give them the right answer, they'll probably gun you down right now. Kind of mm-hmm. moment. Yep, but he says, still says no, and they just ride off. And immediately, uh, he heads into his apartment. He goes and relaxes for a second, but like he thinks someone's broken into his apartment. He goes in, gun drawn. He looks around everywhere. And then he's like, okay... So no one's in my apartment, but then he hears movement outside. And this is where it comes back to the shooting range scene is that he opens the door and there's an old lady with bags carrying groceries <laughs> just walking down the hallway as he opens it up. And he's got his gun like trained on her. He is about ready to shoot, but he's like, no, that's not who I'm looking for. What he's actually looking to shoot is a cop. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Yeah, no, I did actually, yeah, see, see when they were doing the shooting range thing, I did actually mm-hmm. note that, because even at that point, before you get to later on, the idea that the villain in this movie is a cop, and that's who he ultimately is going to have to shoot, like, yeah. th- that was impossible to not notice that, like, foreshadowing with that scene, because mm-hmm. uh, they, they see it as, oh, you shot a good guy, you made a mistake, 
But Harry at this point is already thinking, no, the bad guy in this case is a cop. So right. I, like that's that's what I'm looking for. Uh, it's, it's, it's an okay little touch, you know. It's like yeah, yeah, like. So just to continue on that scene, uh, he Which, then immediately realizes. Oh, oh go so, ahead. Just just a bit of preface here. Uh, yeah. The neighbor that he's shacking up with right now has already mm-hmm. said that she will check his mail when she gets in because she's got a key. Yes. So he immediately runs down the hall, sees her about to open up the mailbox, and then basically tackles her out of the way because he <laughs> suspects there's a bomb in the mailbox. And so he he starts dismantling the mailbox. Another neighbor comes by saying like, hey, you're tampering with the mail. You, you shouldn't be doing that. I'm calling the police. And so he ends up pulling out the bomb from the mailbox and he calls up Briggs and says like, hey, I just found a bomb in my mailbox. Uh, oh, but of course we need to cover the scene before that where before he calls Briggs, he tries calling his partner. Yes, who, who unfortunately does open his mail and gets blown away. Yeah, yes. Which again, I can't see this character existing outside of the relation to Harry. Well, he's, the, he's got a wife pro- apparently. Yeah, he does, which showed up for one scene, and we found out that she's apparently a good cook. However, all of that related in inviting Harry to dinner. Yes. Like, this character, like, with the first partner uh, from the first movie, they had wants, they had dreams, they had stuff that they did before (laughs) they came to the Academy, they had stuff they did after they left the police force, they had a wife, a whole bunch of different stuff. I love the idea that Harry turned down the invitation to dinner because he's like, no, you're my partner. You're probably a die, so I don't want to get attached. I don't want to oh, get attached absolutely. to you. <laughs> I mean, that was literally the first line he said to him. was just like, he, Earl is asking like, hey, what are those guys talking about? He's like, oh, I'll probably placing bets on how long you're going to stick yeah. around as my partner. Also, his name is Early, not Earl, well enough. Apparently, it's short for Erlington, oh. which he also called him Earl at various points. Okay, okay. There's a lot to it. But yeah, so partner ends up dying in that scene. And honestly, in that moment, like, as it was happening, I was just like, let's see, did he say goodbye to uh, Harry already? Yes, he did. Uh, has he, is he literally right next to the phone? No, he's still quite a distance away. So that's off the bag. And uh, is there anything around to stop him currently from opening his mailbox? No, there isn't. Goodbye, Earl. We barely knew ye. Yep, that's pretty much that. Uh, although him dying meant I thought the the neighbor who he's kind of like maybe in love with or at least shacking mm-hmm. up with, uh, she's probably safe now because we've killed the partner. You say that, but at the same point, she never shows up again. No, she doesn't, no. She has served her purpose and now she's gone. She, she was there to be in threat for a, a moment. But then when Briggs shows up, he's like, okay, let's go. You can drive. I want to examine this bomb. Mm-hmm. Um... And then very quickly, he pulls a gun out and says, yeah, we're not going back to the precinct. You know, like, we're, we're going somewhere where we can get rid of you. And he's like, yeah, I'm behind all this. You know, we killed the bad guys. And that's when Harry starts talking about the system and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, and this leads us into our final bunch of sequences, which is the chase around the uh, the, the ship. And mm-hmm. eventually, Harry, like, turning the bomb back on as, as Briggs drives away, thinking he's getting away with it all. Now, I will say during the chase scene, uh, so he's... He's being chased by one of the motorcycle cops while Briggs is in his car as well. Mm. He knocks out Briggs at some point, manages to toss the gun, um, but he still has to outpace the motorcycle cop. This was, I think, the only scene in the movie that gave me that same sort of feeling that the first movie gave me of 
San Francisco being the real city. Oh, the character, yeah, the character of the city, yeah. Yes, the, uh, the, that was present throughout the entirety of the first movie, where I feel like in this movie, it, it definitely felt a bit well, more separated. It's funny you say that, because there was one point halfway through where I went, oh, what city is this in again? I actually forgot what city yeah, it was. Exactly. This was the only point, because they did, like, all the winding roads, they did, like, the yeah. hills that San Francisco is known for, and they really took advantage of the geography um, more so than I think any other point they, in the they movie. They do use the, the bridge at one point. The Golden Gate Bridge does pop up like halfway through. But even then, it's I think it's only when he the pimp is driving across it and the rest of the scene takes place after he gets off the bridge. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a major like feature point no, of working uh, with it. Don't Harry and his partner go across at one point because they mention they're going to be outside of their jurisdiction. When they, they, say, they say the bridge. It, they're talking about Golden Gate, so be it, but I didn't actually see it as Golden Gate. True, yeah, maybe it wasn't Golden Gate. I just, I assumed it, because it's the only bridge I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's San Francisco. Yeah, so. that's fair. I mean, same. <laughs> um, yeah. I, it's kind of a frustrating movie, and I think it's perfectly watchable, and it's got, it's got entertaining elements. There's, there's definitely scenes that, some of it's kind of laughably stupid. Like, again, mm. he's at the airport getting a burger, because he just likes this guy's burgers, <laughs> and <laughs> he's there when there's a hijacking going on. Um, there's very predictable elements, but at the same time, there there are some well shot moments. Um, I do think that the idea of having like cops that are corrupt as the villain for Dirty Harry in the sequel is a good idea. Okay. But the story of Dirty Harry was that he gave this up, so it's just weird that he's still a cop. Still, I like, mean, why? even if we even if we let that go, even if we say okay, Harry, you know, he found God or something like that in between movies, and he came back <laughs> to the force, whatever you want to call it, that he came back. I still think even with accepting that change, the execution's still just lacking. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think there's the building blocks are there for something a bit more poignant, mm-hmm. but ultimately it never wants to be more than just a cool movie where Dirty Harry is a cool guy and takes out the bad guys. It never yeah, wants I, to I, be more than that. I, I think that they realized that it was necessary to the story they wanted to tell, but I also think that them working in all of the gun stuff this movie mm-hmm. was 100% them just wanting to be like, we're going to fire so many more guns this time. You have no idea. We're going to, we're going to go through the whole thing. We're going to have a shooting range. We're going to have a yeah. shooting competition. We're going to go over the ballistics I mean, it's, of stuff. It's called Magnum Force. Like it's in the goddamn yeah. title. It, I, yeah. it, it does kind of feel a bit like super franchise where we're really going to milk the details that people talk about from the first movie. So because that speech where he brings up the Magnum is a big part of that first movie, this movie has to, like, you know, it's it's almost that legacy sequel thing that we complain about a lot now, where we have to, we can't just have the Ghostbusters have a proton pack, we have to, like, do a hundred close-ups of it and talk about it all mm-hmm. the time. Uh, right. it's, there's a little bit, it's not as bad as that, but it's, there's, there's a bit of that in here where they're really milking some of the the known elements of Dirty Harry. And so he's almost a little bit less of a character and a little bit more of a caricature than, yeah. you know, he was in the first movie. So it's just a bit more hollow and a bit more shallow as a result. Uh, so very watchable, yeah. but you know, some pacing issues and it doesn't really hold up that much under scrutiny. So, yeah. And I mean, cinematography wise, we really praised that last time of them getting some really cool shots. Yeah. Um, and it's not bad this one, time. No, the only ones that really jumped out at me though, were that there was one shot at the very beginning uh, when the motorcycle cop pulled up to mm. the car and they attached a camera to the side of the cop's motorcycle and they had it so he was holding it upright but then he you know put it on its kick scan and the entire shot just tilted hmm. into that dutch angle and i was like okay that 
that did a great job of setting the scene of like, no, every like this is not how you expect it to be. We're changing up the way that it's supposed to go. And that was told all just through that one shot. Well, it was funny. Is beyond that... that, beyond that, there's only like two or three other shots I can even think of in this movie as being standout. What's funny is that a lot of the early stuff with like, it's okay, we've got this like, cop who's stopping people and murdering them. It was making me think of a movie that came later, Maniac Cop, because that's very that's the premise of that movie. Is you've got this like psychotic cop who's pulling people over and and killing them. Mm-hmm. I think in that movie he's not technically a real cop, like, no, whatever. but you know it doesn't really matter. The point is is that he's got a car and he's he's got the outfit and people are like lulled into this false sense of security and he's just murdering them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this obviously is, is doing something a little different, but it was making me think of that a lot, especially in the way that it was hiding their their face at the start and it was like, mm-hmm. who is this faceless police officer who's doing this? Um, so, you know, it's a bit of a missed opportunity, uh, yeah, or a bit, to keep yeah. the, the gun theme, it's a bit of a misfire, <laughs> which is a shame. I uh, think, is it too late to change the name of the show to No Pun Intended? Because I feel like we just keep doing that. I feel like it's easy with Dirty Harry. I, I don't know if it will be as prevalent no, with, with other uh, properties and franchises. Uh, but I think we're getting to the point here where we can probably rate the, uh... Yeah the movie film. Uh, So what are you going to rate Magnum Force out of 10? So Magnum Force, for me, I rated Dirty Harry an 8. I'm going to go ahead and give Magnum Force a 7. I think Mm. that while it's still enjoyable, it's still good. There is a marked decrease or decline in quality from the last movie. I still... I still enjoyed watching it. I don't think there was any point... There was no point in the movie where, like, I was stopping, checking the time, seeing, like, oh, God, how much longer is this going to go on for? Like, the whole time, I was at least intrigued by it. But it definitely, like I said, was missing some sort of spark that that first movie really had. This felt a bit more, as you said, hollow, a bit more, unfortunately, sterile in how it treated, like, the world around it. It just was lacking in so many things just that little bit it's a bit more hollywood i guess as well i guess is what we're saying yeah rather than than being a filmmaker's film that's got something to say it just felt a bit more like no we're making this for a profit here's dirty harry again kind of this isn't this isn't magnum force which happens to be the next dirty harry film this is the next dirty harry film which happens to be magnum force yeah so uh, I'm going to go a little bit lower, actually. I'm going to go with a six. Uh, oh, even though yeah. I, I share the sentiments, I just think the drop is a bit... Uh, you know, I, I think a six is still perfectly watchable. I can still enjoy mm-hmm. my time with a six. Uh, there's some sixes that I love. I'd put this in that. Oh, I think this is a pretty watchable six. Uh, there's some good ideas. There's some good sequences. There's some fun moments. Some of it's silly fun rather than mm-hmm. you know genuine fun. But still, like I, I think it's worth enough watching. But ultimately, you've got a great movie, and then you've got a sequel that's, you know, all right, entertaining yeah. enough. So Yeah, I uh, think what it came down for me, the reason that I do give it just that little bit over you, is that I think that the fun of it, the idea that it is still playing on the tropes of the first movie, while that can sometimes be a little bit distracting, I do appreciate the fact that they are at least still carrying on similar themes yeah the idea of the cops are this extension of how harry could end up if he were just taken to his extreme i i appreciate that as well um it's sort of thing where i was maybe tempted with a 6.5 rather than the six but i I think i'm landing Mm -hmm. on the six ultimately um i'm going to be 
a harsh critic on this show. I'm going to no, be staring. <laughs> I'll be the pushover. Yeah, that's that's all right. Uh, but our second uh, gauge, which I yes. clearly say, I think you could mistake this second gauge as like a, just like a second score out of five. It's not that. Mm-hmm. Because no. I feel like where we land on this makes it maybe it sound higher than it is, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to ask you if it makes the cut. And of course, the answers you may give me uh, are a cut above, which is exceptional, must have. Uh, mm-hmm. Makes the cut, which is, yeah, it's worth having. Cutting it close, which is, eh, it's not worth cutting, but, you know, it's obviously whatever. Uh, and then you get cut from the collection, and then you've got absolute shit, which is cut your losses. So, yep. David, does it make the cut? So, for Dirty Harry, it made the cut very easily. Very comfortably. It it slid right in. This one, I'm going to say it does make the cut, but just it's just barely sliding over the cutting it close section. I don't think that it's bad enough that it had to worry about, like, ever actually not making the cut in general, but it is still a notably decreased quality film where it's like okay if i were to get dirty harry is magnum force something i would also want to get and i think the answer to that is pretty safely yes but i also think that if it were to continue on this sort of trend of just declining Mm. quality that it's going to probably well that's exit that category it's interesting because it's like at the end of the franchise do you recommend just buying the first movie or do you recommend buying the box set because it's worth just getting the set right you know that's the question uh you know if this is the best of the sequels and it may be i don't know Mm -hmm. um like where do you stand at that point i don't you know we'll we'll find out uh for, for me like i actually also would say it makes the cut despite the fact that i gave it a six because to me making the cut is like oh it's worth having again if the rest of the sequels are terrible it's maybe weird to just have the first sequel when it's not like Mm -hmm. this is not a t1 and t2 situation where it's worth having the two and then not the rest but um i I would say it just about makes the cut uh i i don't don't think it cuts the close because i don't think it's bad enough to not want to just throw on as a sequel if you like the yeah the whole thing so it's the sort of it's the sort of thing i would say cutting it close in my eyes is the sort of movie where like if I were just going about watching random TV channels and it happened to be on, I would probably just leave it on. Mm-hmm. Whereas making the cut is something that like, no, I want to be able to access this movie whenever I ever sure. want to watch it. That's sure. how I see the difference. And this movie, while it's a lot closer to the uh, former than the latter, I think that it is still something that it's a solid enough made movie while it doesn't feel great compared to dirty harry it is still a good movie okay okay uh all right there you go that's magnum force the second dirty harry movie next on the list is the enforcer which is the third movie in the franchise so that's coming up and remember that will be a bonus movie for the month uh which will be an Clint Eastwood action movie it'll be the gauntlet uh you can get that over at the three dollar tier and up over at patreon.com slash tv when that goes out um, you get bonuses for the other movie shows that we do on the channel, of course, as well. So go and have a look over there if you want to support all the content and keep everything coming. Um, have a look. You can also support us by hitting the super thanks button on the YouTube channel. Uh, or, of course, you can rate the audio version of the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Give us five stars, all that stuff. Uh, you can get us on the Twitters at Screams Midnight for the Twitter, for the for the channel in general. You can get me on Twitter at Wibble89. David, where can they uh, get you? 
I just hijacked your Twitter uh, at DC Comics Podcast. Fair enough. <laughs> you can get David on that, <laughs> apparently. Uh, but yeah, uh, so go do all that stuff. And of course, I'll thank our Patreon producers for yes. the month. Thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Sandy Palacios, Redacted, D- Board Now, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Tradesman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Uh, thank you all uh, for supporting the content and uh, keeping everything afloat over at Mailed Fuzz Movies Headquarters. Uh, but that is, which is here, but <laughs> this is Mailed right. Fuzz Movies Headquarters. Yeah. Uh, but So thank you very much uh, for hopefully enjoying the show. Uh, we'll see you next time for the third movie in the franchise. Um, there will be a vote on Patreon for our third theme slash franchise. The reason why it's the third one is because we've got a little Christmassy one picked out for after this. Uh, so we'll give you more details of that, uh, probably by the time we're starting the next batch. But, uh, Mm -hmm. yep. So look forward to the Enforcer next week, but that has been the show. That has been the Collector's Cut. Thank you once again for joining us. Keep watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies and I don't have an outro for this show yet. (laughs) So, uh... Uh, bye bye and uh, <laughs> do you feel lucky punks <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>